The following program was made possible by Ward's Lawyers. Find us at wardlegal.ca. All right, just need to get in touch with an expert guest for the show today. Hmm, doesn't seem to be answering. Uh, I guess I can just email him. No response. Well, he must have a fax machine. Hmm, okay. Well, I guess we can try this. Ray Barrow, apothecary and telephone switchboard. Hi, Myrna. Put me through to Wellington 6847. I'm sorry, but the individual you would like to reach is not connected to his party line at the moment. All right, well, I guess I'll try one more thing here. Oh, there you are. Hey, Jonah, can you come upstairs to, to help me with that segment for the podcast? Uh, yeah, sure. I'm just folding my laundry. Oh, okay, but we can start the show? We can start the program? Yes, we can start the program. All right, let's start the program. An expert on playing traditional board games with friends when they're not across the table but at home on their computer machines? And this expert lives in my house? Who knew? My name is Denny Grignot, and this is the Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes, Episode 6. Also on the program today, businesses still allowed to operate must do so under a watchful government eye. Lawyer Jason Ward will join us to explain what this means. And hey, how's your dog dealing with all this? Happy your home? A lot. My good friend and champion dog trainer, Julie Corlett, has some insight and tips and a chance to win some stuff or stuff. But first, social agencies and charities are especially hard hit during this lockdown, but the Kawartha Lakes Food Source got a boost recently. The Optimist Club of Lindsay, disclosure I am a member, recently made an $11,000 donation. Optimist Club President Mike McGregor explains how that decision came about. Just kind of discussing um, what we could do for the community during this pandemic and we have no projects on the go so we just started listening to a few ideas from some other people and as we were uh, in the meeting um, a few members mentioned that they had seen photos of the uh, the food bank with empty shelves and we started discussing that a little bit and when we when we try and make a donation we always try and think of how does this affect youth because our, our main focus is on uh, assisting youth in the community plus we wanted to keep it local and a few people mentioned that, well, here's a way we could definitely make a difference uh, to families with kids. We'd done it in the past, uh, but um, not to this portion of, uh, of money. And then we um, did an online vote with um, the members. We put it out as an email and um, immediate response and unanimous that we were in support of making this donation. What was the reaction of the food source when they uh, learned of the, of the donation? They were thrilled because one of the things they've had a tough time with right now is making sure milk and um, I guess other dairy products, eggs, milk and eggs, basically, they've been rationing that kind of stuff out. And when they heard that we were going to be able to give them that much money, that lump sum, they were going to immediately up their, their buying of eggs and milk and, and make that much more easy for people to get a hold of. Without putting too much pressure on any of the uh, other service clubs in Kawartha Lakes. Is there anything you'd like to uh, to pass on to them, to suggest to them? Well, we don't really, we don't do challenges or things like that. We, you know, our club is basically, you do what you can. A service club does what they can. And I think other service clubs have, have stepped up as well. I noticed there was another donation made to the food bank. 
we, we leave that up to other clubs to decide what it is they're going to do. We don't know what their resources are like. We know what we can do. And um, we always tend to rally around an idea and make sure we get it done. I hope other people join in, but I, I know other people are doing lots of other things as well. We don't like to put pressure on other clubs, just like they don't like putting pressure on us. So I think everybody's doing something, which is really good to see. This is Calvin Chan from Ward's Lawyers in Lindsay, your official sponsor of the Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes. There are several ways you can donate to the food source during this time. You can e-transfer funds or use your credit card. The food source is also organizing a drive-through food drive. All the details at kawarthalakesfoodsource.com. It's a great organization that helps many people in Kawartha Lakes. And later in the program, we'll talk to one of those people and hear some of their story. But coming up next, what you should know about that dog that's at your feet right now, maybe. Maybe looking at you wantonly for a walk, another walk. Maybe their hair or toenails need to trim. How is Rex or Fido or Cooper or Rags coping? Julie Corlett is a former vet tech and current breeder of championship show dogs. She's on the line from her home south of Omimi. Hey, Julie, before we get started, I should point out that, uh, you know, for the people listening right now, that they're going to recognize your voice and that you and I know each other. We met during the Boer War when you were on the canine unit and I was a line cook, if I remember right. <laughs> Describe to me your living room setting right now in, in terms of the many dogs that I've seen. Just set the scene for us. All right. Well, so I'm on the most comfortable part of the couch. I did claim that, but uh, I have uh, two of my pointers curled up beside me. Uh, another one on a chair, and I have a bearded collie uh, laying on the floor right beside me, and another one in the corner on a dog bed. Mine haven't found the routine to be that much different other than the fact that perhaps we're getting up an hour or two later in the morning. What might we observe with that dog who's now around human beings all day? Yeah, so dogs are going to become kind of clingy, um, and there could be the potential for them to have separation anxiety when this is all over with, Oh, and you go back to work because, you know, they've been pretty happy that you're home, and they're following you around, and, and they've had all of this extra attention, and then when that is gone again, that is going to be a stressful time for your dog. So my idea is that if you are working from home, um, and your dog was used to having quiet time, if they had a crate or bed like that, that you actually put them in it for a couple of hours a day just to keep that part of the routine up. Um, sometimes go out of the house without the dog. Obviously, you're not going to take them if you're grocery shopping. Some people do, you know, take them for a car ride, but there may be times that you perhaps should just leave them at home so they do get used to staying on their own because it is going to be a shock for them when you go back to work. And that's got to be a tough order to, uh, to fill because I would think when people are home, uh, I mean, they're walking their dog way more than they usually are. But you're saying right? that, that's, that there's actually a potential pitfall in that if you're spending too much time with them. Right. Exactly. And separation anxiety is, you know, hey, you're gone all of a sudden. They'll they'll be destructive when you're gone, you know, digging at the door, eating the drywall, chewing up something that they normally wouldn't do because, um, you know, they don't really know the length of time that you're home. They're just happy that you're there. So when I say the length of time, I mean, you know, this three weeks or four weeks or six weeks to them, this is all new. And this could have been for them in their mind a year that you're home with them. And then right. all of a sudden you're gone again. So you've got to 
you know, keep that in mind and, and certainly give the dog some alone time um, if they were a dog that were, was left with people going to work and school. You know, I have a, a comedian colleague of mine who posted a picture of his dog sleeping saying, we walked the dog so much, I think we broke him. So yeah. <laughs> is, is there such a thing as actually walking a dog too much and too no. often? No, not no? unless they're an older dog and, you know, they get, their arthritis bothers them. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just shorten the walks, but no, I don't, I don't think so. I always say a good dog is a tired dog. How much can they sense the mood in the home? Like, let's face it, this is pretty stressful for a lot of people right now. Do they notice that or are they just oblivious to it? Oh gosh, no, they're amazing for that. And that's why dogs make such great therapy, therapy pets. Um, they sense when you're stressed and they'll come up and a lot of them will nudge your hand and want to be petted, force you to pet them, you know, nudge, nudge your hand, put their, put your hand onto their head so that you can rub their ears and pet them and, and you'll just kind of automatically start petting them. And it's great stress reliever for everybody. How difficult and, and vital for their health is the grooming and clipping and, and nail trimming, all that stuff. Can we all right. just wait it out? It's not an essential service people and a lot of people are, are, are upset that their dogs aren't getting groomed but this is when you can take the opportunity a little bonding with your dog as well to pick up the brush and brush your dog say every other day okay just little bits at a time okay that may help if you bath your dog uh, i would suggest putting a half a ball of cotton in their ears to make sure you don't get water down in their ears uh, and, and cause an infection oh i never um, thought of that once your dog is dry, then you brush it. Don't try brushing it when it's wet. As for the nails, that's a tough one because nails are scary for people to do. And yes, they do bleed because there is a quick in the nail. Mm -hmm. And so if you do have nail clippers, I would suggest you just take a little tiny bit off uh, every day, every other day, I should say, or every three days. Check your dog's ears, you know, flip up the flap and have a look inside. Make sure that it's not too much wax in there um you know for the most part you do leave ears alone but just make sure there's no redness or anything that would be an infection i've got a lot of time on my hands the dog always has a lot of time on his hands any constructive ways we can work together the two of us me and the dog sure there are a lot of videos out there that could give you some great ideas on training i mean um a recall is one of the most important things you can teach your dog and rather than just being angry that your dog doesn't come when it's called why don't you actually teach it that so you do have a great recall. Teach it to stay. Teach it sit down. Those are fun things to do. And teach your dog a trick. Finally, um, the dog sleeping at the foot of your bed in times like this. Good idea or bad idea? Please say it's a good idea. <laughs> well, my dogs all sleep in the bed. So <laughs> if that's a normal routine, you can go with that. You are listening to the Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes. The Ontario Ministry of Labour regularly conducts health and safety inspections of businesses. That's not new. What is new is what we're all dealing with right now, which will have an effect on those inspections and the required standards that businesses are now required to meet. The ministry is currently doing blitz inspections of essential businesses, grocery stores, pharmacies, for example, banks. And we here at the Advocate Podcast would like to help shed some light on what these required standards mean from a legal standpoint for the employer and the employee. We call this feature... Words of Wisdom. Words of Wisdom. More than just words of wisdom, it's 
Wards. Okay. Jason Ward is a lawyer who, along with his wife, Carissa Ward, owns and operates the firm of Ward's Lawyers in Lindsay. Jason is with me now. Jason, I know you have clients who are small businesses. What was their reaction when they learned that the provincial government would be conducting these blitz safety inspections in their places of business as they relate to COVID-19? I don't think they were surprised, although many of them feel that they're already sacrificing immensely. Uh, as essential services to provide us things like groceries and pharmacies. So I think there's some concern by some of the small businesses locally that, look, we're, we're already going above and beyond what we can, what we can do in the circumstances to, to help our community. They're a little bit uncomfortable with, with the ministry coming in and, and you know, possibly strictly applying health and safety rules. Um, but at the same time, based on the inspections that have been done that I've heard about, the ministry seems to be fairly flexible and cooperative. And really the focus by the inspectors in the workplaces are, you know, have the COVID-19 measures that the government recommends been taken? And by and large, all our local businesses are already doing that. Restricting the flow of traffic unidirectionally, having the physical distancing, only allowing a certain number of people in the store at the time to to enhance the physical distancing. All those things uh, are voluntarily already being done by the businesses. All right, well, let's get into legal nitty-gritty here. What do, uh, for the inspectors... Do they have the legal right over free reign over every inch of the venue, or can employers say, sorry, that's off limits? Yeah, the Ministry of Labor inspectors have pretty broad and sweeping powers under Ontario's health and safety legislation. Uh, if necessary, they can make orders requiring uh, stores and businesses to do certain things. Locally, that's, that's usually fairly rare because if there's a deficiency or a health and safety issue identified, most of our local businesses rectified and comply with it without the necessity of be, being given a formal order. But that can happen. Um, and, they, and they do have jurisdiction and govern all parts of the operations uh, in the four corners of the store, including outside in the parking lot uh, and in the waiting areas and standing lines where people are waiting to get in. So they have, they have very broad powers. The so they can literally look inside the refrigerator of the staff room if they want to, for instance. <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's no holds barred. Um, the only exception to that may be uh, access to financial records uh, that some small businesses may have in their filing cupboards or on their computers. Um, there's a question about whether inspectors have the ability to access sensitive financial information or business-related information because it doesn't really apply to health and safety. What kind of questions can they ask of the employer? Or, or what kind of, and what kind of questions can they not ask? They can ask whatever they want, effectively, if it impacts or relates to health and safety or one of the standards under the legislation. Um, they can, the, the ministry inspectors are also empowered to ask questions under other legislation that they, uh, that they enforce, like the Employment Standards Act of Ontario. Mm-hmm. So not only uh, is a store owner exposed to all the health and safety issues when an inspector shows up, but they're also exposed to all the employment standards that they're supposed to be complying with. Uh, with the same inspectors, they they, they hold uh, dual roles or two hats. So it, you know they have pretty broad uh, ability to ask anything they want on health and safety or employment standards to that business. I'm wondering about the, the their jurisdiction though. Can they, for instance, come to an employer or an employee and say, "Tell us about your living arrangements at home. What are you? What do you have at home that you could be bringing into the workplace?" Or is that off limits? Well, that that gets into the whole issue of you know, a, a store or a business owner's duty, because our business owners have a duty at law in Ontario to do everything they reasonably can to ensure and protect the health and safety of all the employees in the establishment. But on the other side, what we have to balance is there's still privacy law in Ontario, mm-hmm. and it still applies during the pandemic. 
Uh, it's not supposed to be a barrier to our health and safety, but it's something that has to be managed at all times as well. So the issue becomes, what can employers do or not do with their employees related to the virus? And for example, um, an example of that may be, can they ask uh, an employee who shows up for work uh, anything about their symptoms or the virus? And, and in theory, uh, legally, you're not really supposed to do that unless you have some reasonable basis for doing that as the employer. For example, that person may be displaying assist, uh, um, a symptom of the virus, or you may have heard indirectly from a co-employee about that person experiencing uh, a symptom. So really the test for employers is you can probe employees or ask some questions for the benefit of the entire workplace if it's reasonable in the circumstances for you to have done so. There's a couple of things that employers can do. For example, uh, usually when um, employees are absent from work or when they ask to be excused from work, an employer can say, I'd like a doctor's note um, verify, or a doctor's certificate verifying your, your physician is saying you're ill and you can't come to work. Um, right now, that's a problem related to the virus because we're all being told we're not supposed to go to our doctor's office. Uh, so, vir- you know, we can't be physically examined by our physician. So that's a problem. Uh, and doctors are reluctant to provide these notes because they're generally saying, if you have a concern about a symptom, you need to go to the, the local assessment center rather than come and see your family doctor. Can they take their temperature with one of those touchless units or is that off limits? You know, you, they can. Employers can do that in, in today's environment, but there are restrictions on that. You have to balance the privacy issues with that. So, again, one of the key considerations for, for business owners in our area is, is there some reasonable grounds to be concerned about an out- outbreak in your business? And that may be another employee exhibits sim- uh, symptoms. It may be third-party information you get uh, about an employee uh, being exposed to the virus at home, uh, perhaps they're in a relationship or or sharing a household with a first-line worker. If you can establish reasonable grounds for engaging in thermal testing, then generally it's permissible to require employees um, to undergo the thermal testing. But they have to take certain precautions to protect the privacy of employees who they do test. It's also very important that when they do this testing, they only collect the information they need that employers don't store in any way. They're only using it to determine if the virus is present in an employee, and then they they don't retain the information. From a legal standpoint, what do you think the future holds for for businesses and employees and and the Ministry of Labor in all of this? I I think this is going to be the new normal, at the very least, until both the provincial state of emergency and the federal state of emergency are lifted, and the the physical distancing rules are somewhat relaxed. Uh, We can't afford for those businesses Uh, to be forced to shut down because of an outbreak. Uh, And for that reason, uh, screening and testing employees at this point in time in the pandemic may slightly override the privacy issues. Uh, And I think that's how the courts are going to lean if it ever becomes a legal issue, is they're going to put more emphasis on uh, the importance of screening and testing to make sure our essential services can be open for us so, so we can all continue to have access to that. My thanks to Jason Ward for his legal perspective on how essential businesses are navigating COVID-19. Jason and Carissa Ward own and operate Ward's Lawyers of Lindsay, the official sponsors of the Advocate podcast. For all your legal needs, you can reach them via wardlegal.ca. At the beginning of the program, we told you of the Optimist Club's donation to the food source. That $11,000 donation 
We'll go towards bringing some comfort to many people in our community. People like Heather, a single mom who's new to Kawartha Lakes. She was kind enough to share some of her story with us. My day starts sometimes at three o'clock in the morning because I can't get back to sleep after I nurse my son in the middle of the night. Um, my son might be texting you some random messages right now, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm sure they're all happy emoticons. I was, a, I was a PSW and I worked privately to care for individuals in their home. Unfortunately, uh, my life led to an abusive relationship and I had to leave where I was and I ended up here and pregnant and so um, I have a counselor who suggested that I call the food source and, and I've been so lucky. They're just amazing. Describe to me what your, your situation is like now, now that we're in the midst of all of this. If it's it's really hard. I guess it's because I'm isolated. I, I really relied on playgroups and stuff for to keep my son and I occupied and to keep us on a routine of some sort. Um, yeah. I moved to Lindsay in December um, and it's just been him and I since he was born. So I moved to Lindsay and I took him to playgroups and was getting him socialized and then everything just suddenly shut down. I feel like I'm back at square one with socializing him. So when the day is just, they, they seemed a lot longer now than they used to. <laughs> it's only in the last, since I moved to Lindsay that I've had to rely on a food bank. Although I guess that's not true because I relied on women's resources. They have a food cupboard. I would only go every once in a while, but since I have a, a little one, um, I have had to rely on them a little bit more. When you learned that so much of everything would be shutting down, what was going through your mind at that time? Yeah, how am I going to make it? <laughs> what am I going to do? What am I going to do with my son? How am I going to manage this? Some days are harder than others, again, because I don't have, I don't have the backup. Not to say, I, I mean, everybody, every parent is struggling right now. I'm not the only one that's struggling, but I did manage to get my chickens um, from the place that I lived at before. So I have my chickens and I go out and I let the chickens out in the morning and make sure my greenhouse is still on this side of the fence and not in the church parking lot. And then, uh, geez, you know, I just, it's hard. You know, we manage, you know, we try to have gratitude where gratitude is due and hang in as tight as we can. I never saw myself in this position. Um, I, I never thought I'd be struggling so much that I'd have to humble myself to go to a food bank and ask for help. But um, you know what, the people that work there are amazing. And uh, they don't make you feel ashamed of yourself when you do have to go in and ask for help. A big shout out of thanks to Ben Hainer of Lindsay, who wrote and performed the music that accompanied Heather's story. Some really nice stuff there. You're listening to the Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes, brought to you by Ward's Lawyers of Lindsay. For all your legal needs, find them at wardlegal.ca. But come time of the Lindsay Fair, <laughs> last year my wife entered three jars of jam. She spent uh, $65 on uh, berries. 
$112 on mason jars, $38 on sugar, so she can enter two jars of jam. She won third place, five bucks. That is the funniest stand-up comic in Kawartha Lakes. Also, also the only stand-up comic in Kawartha Lakes. So you can do the math on that. And yes, his voice does sound an awful lot like mine, doesn't it? Here's your chance to win a copy of his debut CD, More Than Just Puff to Eat, recorded live at the Lakeview Arts Barn in Bob Cajun. But you, you got to earn it. Be the first person to send a direct message. Now I stress, a direct message to the Lindsay Advocates Facebook page with the answer to this question. In the last episode of the podcast, I interviewed something, not someone, but something. Be the first to tell us what that thing was, and we will mail you a copy of that CD. It's just our way to say thanks for checking out the Advocate podcast. Coming up, Jonah from downstairs comes upstairs to talk about playing traditional board games on your computer with friends who are on their computers at their homes. Jonah tells us not so much how it works, but why it works. You're listening to the Advocate Podcast Stories from Kawartha Lakes, brought to you by Ward's Lawyers here in Lindsay. And we are actually outside of the usual Advocate Podcast studios. We are broadcasting remotely at the kitchen table down the hall from where I normally am. And uh, I'm here with... Uh, my uh, my board game virtual style expert Jonah Grignon. That's who, right. Tell me first of all, what was your mindset when someone in your group suggested that look, we can't get together physically, so why don't we play a board game online? What were you thinking, really? Uh, I thought it was great. Uh, I thought it was a brilliant idea because you know, for my friends and I, um, playing board games is one of our favorite things to do. I think it's a great social experience. I think it's a great way of social bonding. I guess you could say. And uh, we figured out a way to do that pretty much all electronically. Okay. Now, when you say it's a social experience, is it also a bit of a social experiment, if you're being honest? Kind of, yeah. Well, I mean, depending on the game you're playing, I guess. If you look hard enough, you can find pretty much anything. Okay. I can see that that's Clue. Yeah, right that's now. right. So and that's I, the game I grew up with. I have a Clue with. board game pulled up. Yeah, this is this is one of our favorite games to play, actually, okay. uh, my friends and I. and. Uh, which I think is kind of fun because like you can see here with Clue that you kind of you retain some of that fun that you would playing it in person. So here I can I can pick up the rope and, and drag it and put it into the billiard room and say, ah, I think that it was Colonel Mustard in the billiard room with the rope and I can put them in there just like I would in real life. And your friends, the other people playing this game right now, they can all see this on their computer the, screens at yeah, the same time? Yeah, that's right. Okay, how did you come to choose this game? Because as the the old guy in in the picture here, I would I recognize that game, but I'm almost a little intimidated. It's a little intimidating. Um, when we uh, when we first all downloaded this program, we uh, we started out trying to play a game of Ticket to Ride, okay. which uh, if you're not familiar, is a game about like placing little train cars on railroads, drawing cars to get more of them. And we tried playing Ticket to Ride, and we realized we had absolutely no idea how to do it because we hadn't familiarized ourselves with the program. Oh, okay. So, so then uh, we decided, okay, we'll go to something a little simpler. So we tried to play poker, uh, and then we realized we were hopeless with that as well, and we couldn't even figure that out. So we settled on Uno. Uno, <laughs> Uno okay. which is like game. which is like the simplest game in the world. And we kind of built our way up from there, and, and I think now we're pretty much comfortable with it. Uh, to the point where we can play something like Clue. So the trick is to really start out with something very simple, like a yeah, simple card game. Yeah, that's right. Are you able to uh, communicate? Uh, we'll use a separate program um, called Discord, which is um, pretty popular for, I guess, 
people who play video games and do stuff together. I, I know also uh, people will use it to play tabletop games remotely. So if you're playing a game of Dungeons and Dragons or something like that, you can just all join the same voice call. And, and you're actually talking, so you the hear their voices. That's right, yeah. So as long as you have a microphone, you, you know, you can just chat. Were you able to forget that you weren't in the same room? I'm just wondering if... A, Absolutely. A, you were? Really? Absolutely, How quickly yeah. did that happen? Well, it's... Uh, very quickly. This isn't like I, I put a, a CD-ROM into my computer that said, like, Clue, the video game. This is basically just someone who took a whole bunch of, I guess, digital objects and textures and made a Clue board. And that's a lot more immersive for me personally. Cause yeah, it's, and I it, can see it. It looks like a clue. It looks like the, the board. Exactly, the yeah. Game. So it, it's not like there's a big button on the screen that says, roll dice, and then another, you know, a prompt coming up that says, next player's turn. You retain a little bit of that uh, that sense that you would playing a board game in real life where you know I, I take my turn and then I put, put the rope in the billiard room and we're all going on about like oh well that's you know I, the, 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 is that it is he going to go to the middle is he, is he going to make his a accusation and oh wait whose turn was it what were we talking about just a second ago and that's so it's just like a real board game yeah. where, where the conversation's going everywhere exactly that's right and, and like I say that that might seem like a weird thing to be praising that sometimes you can get a little bit mixed up in the action of it but I like it because that's exactly what's going to happen if you're playing a board game in real life at the same table. So I think what's kind of fun about this is that once you're familiar enough with the game and with the people you're playing, it's like you do something or you hear someone say something and you can almost picture what their facial reaction is to that, even if you're not looking at their face directly. Really? Yeah. So what advice would you give to people who aren't as computer savvy, let's say, as you and your friends are if they want to embark on this? Uh, I would say there's always a starting point. What I'm doing here may look a little bit complicated, and it was certainly complicated to, for me to begin with, but uh, I think if you're just looking to play a, a, a quick game of whether that's Pictionary or Uno or Checkers... Um, it's about the social gathering. Exactly, right? yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hee-pie, hee-pie, oh, the best man in Autobots, Pavarajo, woo, Pavarajo. Craig Schroeder channeling one of Jonah's favorites, Stompin' Tom. Oh, and by the way, Jonah, the best part about playing an old-fashioned board game with friends on the internet? No searching for that dice or that tiny wheelbarrow in the couch cushions. Our opening theme and musical bridges written and performed by the very talented Gerald Van Haltren. A big thanks to our official sponsor, Ward's Lawyers. Information on their legal services, and there are many, at wardlegal.ca. The Advocate Podcast is hosted and produced by me, Denis Grignel. You can follow us for free on Spotify, subscribe on iTunes, and tell your friends about us. And tell us what you think of the program by visiting our Facebook page, or by going to lindsayadvocate.ca. Craig Schroeder's band, The Rhythmic Sidekicks, is scheduled to play a Stomp and Tom tribute in Kirkfield in July. But right now, well, here's more of a song that I am betting will be part of that repertoire. Craig, take it away. Yeah, say Big Joe put on a forest choir, halfway between Renfrew and Old Ironbriar. He was 50 miles away down around Spitballs when he drowned up the fire with five Spitballs. Heave high, heave high, oh, the best man in Ottawa was Paparajo, woo, Paparajo. Well, he jumped into Calabogie Lake real fast, and he swam both ways to catch a cross-eyed bass. But he threw it on the ground and said, I can't eat that, so he covered it over with Mount St. Pat. Heave high, heave high, oh, the best man in Ottawa was Paparajo, woo, Paparajo. 
Yeah, they say Big Joe drank a bucket of gin, then he beat the living tar out of 29 men. And high on the ceiling of a Pembroke pub, there's 29 boot marks signed with love. Hee hi, ho, the best man in Ottawa was Buffalo Joe. On the river, Ottawa, the best man they ever saw was Big Joe Buffalo, the old folks say. Say he hi he hi ho the best man in Ottawa was Buffarajo. Buffarajo. Big Joe Buffara, Big Joe Buffara, Big Joe Buffara, Big Joe Buffara. Have a good night, everybody.